0: When you think of the choices and the impact our choices have on the food ecosystem, on the economy, it can save farms, it can, it can save livelihoods, it flows back into rural communities.
1: My name is Dan Sims and welcome back to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast, where we talk to the makers, growers, farmers and families who just happen to make the best cheese, and in today's case, butter in Australia. Like never before, where we put our food dollars really matters and has a direct and immediate impact on those who make it, their staff and their families. It's why Pierre Issa, Pepe, and Melissa Altman of the Pepe Sayer, Buttery, wanted to establish Aussie Artisan Week, to draw attention to the best artisan food makers in the country. And it's happening right now. From Monday the 17th to Sunday the 23rd of August, no matter where you get your food, cheese, wine or produce, take a moment Check yourself, and just think about not just where your food is from, but the people who made it and the impact your purchase has. Your support goes a long way. Aussie Artisan Week aside, the story of Pepper Sayer is an inspiring one. It's a story of how having the belief, drive and resilience in your product, and your craft for that matter, can quite literally change the way people see an entire category. Like so many of us, COVID has put a massive amount of pressure on Pepe Sayer, but as they say, it was an opportunity to take a moment and remember what's truly important, that great quality artisan products, especially butter, is everything. So let's get into it. Melissa and Pierre, or Pepe, welcome to the Mold Cheese Collective Podcast. How are you guys going?
2: Yeah, really good, Dan. How are you?
1: Good, thanks. Guys, just to kick us off, maybe tell us a little bit about Pepe and uh, this incredible story of of artisan butter and uh, the amazing growth that you guys have had before we get to COVID.
0: (laughs) So uh, Pepe started up in 2010. So 10 years ago, we made our first or sold our first butter in November 2010 at Carriageworks Markets. I guess that's where we felt it belonged because 2010. It was just before that that whole um, buy local, shop local thing really became a part of the um, the chefs sort of what they they wanted to offer their customers. So uh, the farmers markets were, was where we we believed we could launch it from, and we were lucky enough to get into carriage works and launch it from there. the The idea came about because we we needed to. Um, we felt that there was a an, a niche in the market with butter because most of the chefs were buying oh. imported butter. So when we'd go and visit the chefs and go, oh, what butter are you using? It was always imported butter. It was always they had to book, you know, what butter they needed for the year, like almost six months in advance because it had to be brought in. And we sort of, Melissa and I sort of used to look at each other and go, aren't we a dairy country? Aren't we, like, isn't australia dairy remember yes, that yeah. it was like crazy like we think so that opened up the question as, well why do you buy imported butter and why aren't you using australian produce because they're obviously using australian milk and australian cream but when it came to the butter they were buying imported butter and and so we started asking the question well let's find out why they're using imported butter and the answer would be that australian butter tasted like water and salt which, which is fair enough. So yep. when you go to a restaurant uh, or a, a high-end restaurant, you're going there for an experience and the chef is trying to curate an experience for you. So it makes sense that, I, I think that the term we should use is that the chefs need to use best in class for their customers that are paying oh. quite a lot of money for, for an experience, right? So that's when it came to our attention that, okay, well, We can't just make butter. We have to make the best tasting butter we could possibly make. And culturing and fermenting cream um, to make it taste amazing naturally is the way forward. And that's what we did. And we started off in 2010. Our first butters were much stinkier, pungent, cheesier than we do now. Uh, but now, if I was to describe our butter, I would say cheesy, stinky, pungent butter, you know, like beautiful.
1: I don't think butter is a spread, it's a dip. Uh, I love really great butter, especially, yeah, literally at restaurants. I'd go there and they'd get a little butter. and I said, Can I have some more dip, please? And I said, You mean the butter? No, 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 no. That delicious thing there. Like, <laughs> great quality butter is the best. Coming up to this, going, Okay, we're going to make this great artisan Australian butter how long did it take you to I don't want to say recipe or develop your particular style I mean how much R&D was there was there sort of I mean we started selling yours in 10 years ago at carriage works how long did it take you to get to that point
0: we started in 2009 to to develop it Uh, something happened around 2009 where we had a couple of hundred liters of cream left over we didn't want to waste it, so I thought, "Oh, let's churn it into butter." So that was the that was the start of the butter idea. But the R and D was about a year worth of R and D. The Peppy Sayer, the the logo, the name had to be developed. That took a while. That was all done in house. Yeah,
2: the packaging of the butter
0: as packaging well. had, had to had be to done. Work on
2: that, there was a lot of research. Like we were visiting old bookshops. Yeah, getting any um, resources that we could. So one of the Beautiful old books shop, uh, shops that I don't even know if it's around anymore. It was Gould's
1: right. bookshop
2: Newtown on King Street? Mm. It was this massive warehouse, and this guy just collected all these old, old, old books. And I remember yeah. we went up there researching and looking for things on butter and butter making. And
0: yeah, there's not there wasn't, lot, was there? There, wasn't there wasn't a lot, was there? There wasn't a lot, lot.
2: available. Um, but what you did find was...
0: Amazing, amazing. So tell me, what do you think
1: makes really great butter?
0: Well, what we what we know of the research we did is that what attracts people to butter is, one, the colour. You're attracted to that colour. And that's natural. It's from the better carotene in the grass. And the second thing that attracts people to colour, I mean, they're all sensory, right, is... You know, when you open any butter, even, even supermarket butter, when you open it and the temperature's right and the, the climate around you is right, you get a whiff. You get that whiff of but, that butteriness. That's called diacetyl. So that's the main key of an amazing butter, in, in, my, in my humble opinion only, right? Mm. Not, um, so the colour and then the smell, the, the pure scent of butter, and by fermenting, you, you're, you're almost concentrating the smell of that butteriness, the, the diacetyl. And that's what, like people that are attracted to that smell, when they open our butter and they look at it and they go, oh, my God, it's yellow. And then they, they get that, that, that the olfactory going, right, the, the scents going up. They just go, oh, my God. And then it, it, after that, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that, that's it, that,
1: that they're they're done. They're done. Well, smell is so is directly related to taste. Uh, so you're looking at and again, I I think we eat with our eyes as much as we, uh, we we do. We we eat with our eyes. So if something looks amazing and smells amazing, then we automatically think it tastes amazing. Being that you've been part of the carriage works markets for ten years, how have you seen? I suppose the growth in interest and change of people's eating habits towards something like artisan butter or artisan products in general
2: yeah no, most definitely I think with the evo- evolution of the farmers markets you're seeing a lot more markets um, coming up around Australia um, which is obviously it's driving traffic and interest to that to that style of shopping which is great because it gives customers the or consumers the opportunity to talk directly to the producers particularly at carriage works um i mean that's why we love doing it we love doing the markets for that reason because it gives us a direct point of contact to talk to our customers um obviously pre-covid we were doing tastings with um with sourdough and pepisea butter and as peppy just mentioned before and as you mentioned it's like once you get them to try it it's they just you just see them, and the, one of the standard lines we get from people is that this takes me back to my childhood when my grandma used to churn yeah. butter on the farm, and it's it's a really nice thing, um, yeah. But I think you know, in going back to the markets, it's great because you're accessing fresh product. I mean, you know, you've got apples that were just picked, as an example, or carrots or you know, bread that was just baked, freshly baked bread or butter that was just churned and packed the day before on the Friday before the weekend markets. I mean, I always tell people you can always check when our butter was made by counting back three months from the expiry date. So I'll always show them at the markets that this was, this butter you're buying was just packed and churned yesterday. So that's how fresh it is. Um, And I think a lot of people are also moving towards, um, I know us, we we sort of shop daily. So as a kid I grew up with my parents doing a weekly shop and planning what we were going to eat and freezing, whereas I think a lot of people now are shifting towards a more fresh approach um, Mm. of eating and buying their food fresh um, and cooking from fresh produce and particularly during COVID,
1: now a lot of people are baking at home and- So well, let's talk about COVID and obviously, especially something like the markets, um, it was like a bit of a double whammy, really, especially at Carriageworks and we run a number of festivals there. So one, the markets shut down due to COVID and then it went into administration where there was a, a lot of uh, unknowns that were happening and I'm so grateful that the markets are back there. How did you guys go with COVID? How are you going? Throughout this crazy period,
2: yeah. Well, we lost. I mean, yeah. Leading into COVID, we would have lost about eighty percent of our business, um, supplying into restaurants and your cafes and um, your airline catering. Um, bakeries were still were still going strong, mm, or, we lost a bit of but that. they'd lost their wholesale side mm. of their business. So, sort of, yeah, the numbers had dropped a bit there in supply chain. Um, but And then we obviously, all the farmers markets got cancelled. Um, so the only thing that was sort of picked up in that first manic week of buying, you know, when people were out doing that crazy spending, stocking up thinking that things were going to be shut down and um, we, we'd had record sales of our retail. So, you know, into into your local IGAs and Harris Farms and etc. If I can mention those, yeah. um, and your independent grocers, um, but we had to look. I guess at how we were going to reach people, the consumers. Obviously, shift our business model, um, which which I what we wanted to do for so long was, you know, build that retail arm of the business because the the food service was so heavily, heavily dominated that part of our business. Um, And we were so unprepared for this. I guess everybody was. Mm. Um, But we had the online platform. So um, Mm. which, yeah, which we'd wanted to, I guess, get into gear for a while and I'd wanted to invest a bit of money and time into it, but we were always so preoccupied with everything else that it never happened. But we were in a position where we had to do it so because everything sort of happened overnight um, mm. for us.
0: So the an interesting point on COVID and what happened is that it, in general, most artisans, when COVID hit, the artisan movement or the artisan producers of Australia... I really geared up about 80% to service the restaurant trade because the chefs are looking for that quality that they can't buy from mass-produced companies or factories. So they come to the artisans for that. So they're our core business, uh, whether it's an airline or a function centre or a restaurant or a cafe. So most of the artisan producers or farmers or, or smaller produce houses, uh, even fruit and veg people, they they. They lost that 80% and they were they were never geared up to do retail because every time you go to a retail retailer with one of our products, oh the price is too high, oh your logistics, oh, there's a thousand reasons why they don't want to stock it. Or shelf life. Shelf life. Oh my god, shelf life's a big one. Um, and what we found is that the time's right. The time's right. People are gonna be home, they're online. They, they can't go to their favourite restaurant. Maybe they'll have an experience at home with the best quality cheese, butter, meat, fruit and veg, all that.
1: Again, I totally agree with you and it's something that we discovered very quickly with the Mole Collective. We were five days away from our big festival. We had all the cheese producers made such a huge quantity of cheese for that festival and to pull the pin we're like okay well we'll send everybody direct to your websites to buy direct and we very quickly discovered that a lot of producers weren't necessarily set up for that Uh, so I think we should try to step in and help in some way but you're right I think if anything COVID's given an opportunity to build that direct to to consumer even though I hate the word consumer uh, through an online presence being that this is how we're doing this now like it's it's incredible like people who were perhaps hesitant of buying something online previously now it's part of their daily life and to get great quality product to people is key now i wanted to speaking of artisans and that we're recording this in the middle of aussie artisan week it's been so good to see you guys spearhead this tell us about the inspiration and drive behind that
0: uh look i mean for for the last 10 years of us being involved uh, making our butter in such an artisan way you know it's all handmade and we deal with all the farmers you you sort of uh see the market once you're once you're making product and you're supplying into the market You start seeing the market in a different way. So what we see is we see um, the biggest challenges. There's massive challenges for artists and producers out there, especially the smaller scale ones like us, that it's hard to get your products into store. It's hard to get through those gatekeepers out there. They don't understand the challenges you're going through because because we're not communicating enough as producers um and we we felt that over the last 10 years that the the market doesn't like we're very different than being in France or in parts of Europe where they celebrate their own produce um i think the australian consumer is led down um down the path by the big supermarket chains that no it's convenience it's price and regionality comes right at the end, so they sort of base it on that. Um, uh, where convenient, we have a car spot, uh, car spots where you know our prices are down, 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 yeah. and
2: That's <laughs> all, I actually heard that this morning on an advert. Down, a gro- a, a Supermarket chain, yeah, you know, we're advertising on the radio, and their whole messaging was just about cheap, cheap, cheap.
0: Yeah, so so, and then regionality or where your food comes from. Is not that important from from what they're selling you the package they're selling to consumers, where we're saying hold on a sec. There's a lot of consumers out there that do believe in regionality first. Um, they do believe in price um, uh, cost reward sort of um, formulas that we work on.
2: Knowing where their food's coming from, yeah, mm.
0: really like important the
2: source of their you know the ingredients.
0: And, and convenience is like we live in this motorized world. So, you know, that all our, our, our doctors and, and health specialists, whether it's from exercise to, you know, health healthcare, is telling us you need to get out and walk. So mm. you, need to, you need to not get in your car on a Saturday morning and walk up to your local deli or local shop. You know what I mean? Mm. Sure, if you live in a regional area and it's far, we, we get that. We're not saying that's for everybody, but you know, the, the cities are the ones consuming most of the produce. And if you can make that slightest change in in the bigger populations, it it's more money for the bush. It's more money to the yeah. farmers. Like buying buying an imported, I mean, I don't think people really understand the impact that their their purchasing choices make. Uh, buying an imported cheese or an imported um, and imported water. I mean, wow.
1: Water. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Bottled water from overseas is just the most ridiculous thing I can I can just think of.
0: When you think of the choices and the impact our choices have on the food ecosystem, on the economy, it can save farms, it can it can save livelihoods, it flows back into rural communities. The money flows back from the city. So what's happening now is when you buy an imported product the money gets spent in the city and then goes back out overseas. But if you buy an uh, an Australian made product, especially food, the money gets spent in the city and flows into regional areas. Now, five years ago, I made this argument to somebody and they said to me, well, that causes inflation. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You, You spend money here, the money stays here. Now, the reason back to your question about Aussie Artisan Week, that over 10 years I've witnessed this in Australia. And and I sort of feel that, well, no, we do okay. Yeah, sure, we get opposition. Competition's healthy. We've done really well. We've we've branded, we've we've we're trying to make the best product we can. We're we're doing all of that every cent like. We went five years without earning an income, probably like a lot of other artists and producers, um, living off savings. You know, like, like getting help even from family. Uh, and then we made it. We, I can say, I can tell you, we we made it. But now I look at it and go, well, no, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are suffering because of this. They're, they, they. They're not marketing savvy. They're not market savvy. They, they, you know, they're making a beautiful product without any help. So, I, I think Aussie Artisan Week is is something that it's about building that awareness, bringing all this up, like these conversations we're having now, about just for one week, understand that how our economy works, how our food economy works, and then and then maybe just maybe the person that shops usually. At a big supermarket, we'll go to the high street, go to the go to the farmers market, and then go. Hey, this apple, this cheese, this this carrot, these these vegetables. You know, this peanut butter tastes awesome.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, uh, I, I so agree. It is. It's that championing of the artisan, and also we're dealing with agricultural products here we're talking about farmers, we're talking about families, we're talking about rural communities that are directly impacted by people's purchasing choices. And I think places like the Works Market are amazing because they shine a light on these great artisans. And if anything, it's, it's proving the point that if you allow access to people and make it convenient for them, then they'll support in waves. And I totally agree with the... Supermarkets—they've got a convenience factor, and if anything, now with COVID, it's it's forced a lot of producers to look at building a direct relationship with their customers, and I think customers are starting to understand that if I want that product, I can get it, and and then for support directly. But it is—it's—it's it's fascinating isn't it, when we have this whole idea that we look to Europe for that they make the best, and I've said before, like France makes the best. French wine and French cheese in the world and we make the best Australian cheese and butter in the world and we should be unapologetic about that and celebrate and champion it and agree like even if it's for one week it should be ongoing it should be is this am i buying Australian products or local products first and that should that if that can just be at the front of mind and that's going to go a long way i think uh, Aussie Artism Week is an incredible initiative and you guys have done such a great job of amplifying uh, that story. But So tell me, what's next for you guys? What's next for Pepe Sayer?
0: I think one thing Mel and I would agree on that's come out of this is that COVID's really made us stop and think about why we went into this from the beginning. It really has. Like, if if anything has driven this if covid's driven anything home it's that that who are we why are we here why are we doing this what what are we doing what what are we trying to achieve and and i think it obviously as you could appreciate uh, getting the word out out about aussie artisan week cost us a small fortune especially during covid uh because you've got to get it out to the press you've got to get it out you got to have systems in place you you run a festival called mold so you know all about those things um but for us we want to go back to grassroots we want to keep we want to change um the way people think about food as well uh for the better we understand that supermarkets have to stay there and and they play an important role in our society but also we we want to bring attention to those things so I think um, in the immediate future, it's all about keeping the business running, (laughs) (laughs) as you could imagine. And and I think the long term, I mean, when we didn't set up this business to to be um, for global domination, Uh, we set up this business to make an honest product. So uh, we're making massive investments on making that product even better and better and better and better, and keeping to our roots of you know artisan handmade you know, but make it as best as we can.
2: Yeah. And not shifting away from, you know, you get a lot of opinions about the butter and, and yeah, we just want to stay away from that and just stay true to our craft.
0: Stinky fermented cheese <laughs> butter.
1: <laughs> oh stinky fermented cheesy butter i love it pepe and melissa thank you so much for being part of the mold cheese collective i'm a massive fan of everything that you do congratulations on uh, pepe say the brand but also aussie artisan week thanks so much for being with us thank, thank you, you Stan.
2: thank you
1: thank you so much for everyone for tuning in for the mold cheese collective podcast we're all about sharing the good word about the best cheese makers in australia but of course We'd love to hear from you as to what cheese you love, where it's from, and even better, your thoughts on this podcast. It would really mean a lot if you'd leave a rating or a comment, or just share it with your mates. We have a heap more interviews to come, so be sure to stay tuned. But until next time, cheers.